Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast uh, for your school library, public library, whatever. Uh, my name is uh, Lucas Maxwell, and I'm the librarian at Glenthorne High School, and I talk all about things that we do in the library that uh, hopefully you find or people find useful to try in their library, um, things like that. It's uh, just talking about things that uh, I like to try out, and uh, hopefully they are helpful. Basically, I just repeated myself, but that's fine. Um, today, I want to, it's one I did um, a while ago, uh, but I want to do it again because I've kind of updated it, and that's essentially running um, what they call a session zero for Dungeons and Dragons for uh, younger players, neurodiverse players, uh, neurodiverse uh players like myself really so i can only speak from my own perspective but also i've got input feedback from other um neurodiverse players that we have which is amazing and so that's um that's something that i wanted to talk about so i've been running D D in my high school library um for about uh three or four years now and it's been kind of a life-changing thing for me. I know that sounds very dramatic, but uh, it's somehow I've scrabbled together a little uh, thing with D&D, as in a little group at the school has kind of grown into a bigger group, and very luckily it's got a little bit of attention, and the stuff we do and how it helps people has been really uh, fun to see, I guess. So... Um, I have a book out about it. This is a shameless plug. It's called Let's Roll, and it's with Facets uh, Publishing, and it's all about games like D&D and how they can help you uh, in your library. Um, and what I've been doing since starting it is really just collecting ideas, collecting ways to make the game more accessible, especially to librarians where time is against you, and uh, easier to grasp. I mean, D&D does a great you know, educational setting uh, resources as well. Uh, I'm just trying to do this um, for the perspective of, a, I guess, a neurodiverse uh, dungeon master and looking at feedback from neurodiverse players and teenagers who maybe are feeling overwhelmed by it. And if you're feeling overwhelmed as a, as a librarian as, or a teacher as well. Um, I Recently, we spoke, our group spoke to another group of year 11, uh, year 11s, of 11 year olds, I should say, who were in another school in the UK and they wanted to start a D&D club, but they weren't really sure how to start. So we spoke to their librarian. I spoke to them kind of one-on-one and then they watched our group play. That was really cool. Um, they wanted to jump straight in and get going, but they didn't really know where to start. And that's kind of like the hardest, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge is like, where do I start? Um, and with younger players, they, they kind of want to try combat first. So that's what we did. Like our team, our D&D students did a combat scenario while the other school watched them. And it was really cool. It just was amazing to watch. I was really excited to see it happen. And <laughs> it was really fun. So it was a very quick uh, session zero, that one. Um, what is a session zero, I guess, is the question. Um, all that is, all that means is that it's the session you, you do before you play the game. And everybody should do one, especially if you're thinking of doing like a long 
longer form thing. I mean, even with a one shot, it, it's a good idea, I guess, but um, especially if a new player. So it's essentially a session where you establish rules, you introduce yourselves, you create, you can create characters. There can be more than one session zero. Um, this is like a way for you to establish what is this without spoiling the plot, like where, what is going to happen? Um, where are we going to be? Uh, so my ideas really with teens, uh, younger players is to bring food to the session zero. Uh, any librarian uh, in a public or high school knows that food is the answer to most things. Um, if you're going to run a D&D session zero, having snacks is, is absolutely number one. And um, it's hard in schools, and rightfully so. You have to be careful of allergies, of course, but um, you can find things that are now quite, quite you know, you can find nut-free things. Um, I just, uh, I do all kinds of stuff. I bring food when I can. Um, but it also kind of sets the tone when you bring food, right? It tells them, yeah, okay, we're going to take, we're going to, do this, but we're gonna have fun. Um, it's gonna be a relaxed environment. We're not here to like. This is not a serious. You know, you gotta get some things done in the session zero, but it's not too serious, and it's a great way in. You don't know what's going on with the players. They might be feeling quite nervous, especially if they're new to the school or new to the club, or they maybe they don't know anyone in the club. Um, and what you'll find is that they are going to be, the players should be very welcoming. Uh, and you as a dungeon master need to be, and this is a no-brainer, but you need to be quite welcoming. And, and you know, making sure that everybody's uh, feeling like they want to be there, want to belong. Um, the next thing you need to do is establish the rules. And not in a very, not in a harsh way, um, but you want to set the expectations. Uh, and these can be visual, and you can print these out. We have students who printed out... Um, like rules of their own and it's really just like be nice and treat others with respect listen to the dm don't do this don't, you know it's, but it's very straightforward stuff we had students who did that and i think for me as a neurodiverse person and just again i'm speaking from my perspective i'm not speaking for the neurodiverse community this can also apply to people who are neurotypical right but for me i like to see i have to i i rely heavily on visuals i get overwhelmed uh as well by too many visuals, but I like to see lists of things in <laughs> in the flesh, so to speak. Um, I constantly refer back because I have a bad uh, short-term memory. So, what are the rules that I kind of established? And, I, and if I was to start over, I didn't do this right at the beginning, but I, I, I'm lucky that I've got such a great rapport with the students that I'm playing with D&D &D with because we've been doing this for like four years now, um, that we've got an email group that I just email these things to when we started. But if I was to start over, what would I do? I would put this on a whiteboard and I would also have handouts at the beginning just to show them. Um, and the biggest rule for me is um, this is not a player versus player game. Okay, This is collaborative. If if you want to play do PvP or player versus player, you have to if you persist on doing that, you have to find somewhere else to go. And I'm not harsh about it, but I have taken younger players aside and said this is not how we're doing this. Because um, what happens is they will pile on and someone's feelings in the in real life will get hurt. And that's not what you want. And it's just not the way the game is. And I don't like PvP stuff unless, I've talked about this before, the game calls for it. So unless player gets charmed or magically charmed and or something terrible happens and they, they go insane, and 
they will attack a player. And that can be quite funny, actually, and quite and make for an interesting scenario as well. Um, but that's the only time. Uh, or if they drink a potion, or they experience madness, and things like that. Uh, that really is my number one thing. They can go find those games somewhere else, okay? Um, so, the other things you, you want to establish is, how are you... And you don't... If you're a new dungeon master, you, this may not come naturally to you or whatever, but that's absolutely fine. You can learn the stuff as you go, like, like I learned it. And I'm still learning because I'm not any kind of expert by any means. Um, but what are the rules of your world? Because the rules of D&D are there to be bent and kind of twisted around. And, um, and to meant you're, you're existing within them. So for me, so as a player, you can do like an action, which is like an attack or whatever, or and a bonus action. I allow them to do things like drink potions as a bonus action. Um, I think some DMs don't, but I don't, you know, that's fine. Uh, that's, and I, I do, I just think it, uh, makes it more fun. So I have with younger players, I have quite a bit of freedom with actions and bonus actions. I don't let them go and do like three different attacks or anything like that, but I'm quite, so we had an incident, incident, it was kind of an incident, um, <laughs> uh, a session yesterday where I, found out I was the dungeon master like an hour before the session because another teen had an exam and had to do something, which was fine. But I had nothing, and I was exhausted, and I had nothing, absolutely nothing in my head. So I took this one, um, this Sheep Chase one-shot, which I think you get it for free off the internet. I think it's called Sheep Chase. It's a D&D one-shot where it's hilarious, and it was fun, but I was reading it as I was, like, they were sitting down, and I had just, it was still warm from the printer. I had no uh, idea what it was about. Um, essentially, a sheep runs up to them, to the players, with a scroll in its mouth. The scroll is, allows them to speak. If they read the scroll aloud, they get to speak to the sheep. They find out the sheep is a wizard who's been sh turned into a sheep by an evil wizard, and they need to go to that evil wizard and get him changed back and get back his magical stuff. I think that's the thing. But of course, there's people who don't want you to do that. Um, the problem or the issue was, well, uh, the point I'm trying to get to is that we have, then they get attacked. Or they get threatened by this orc and his wolves. And I also had a brown bear, I think, <laughs> come out of the woods. There's a lot. Too much going on. There's a rule for DM, for a new DM. And I broke that rule horribly because I had an orc, I had four wolves, and I had a brown bear. And I had, had like 30 minutes left. And should not have done that. So a good rule for a new DM is don't mix, don't bring in too many different kinds of monsters. Because you will be forever flipping through the book or losing track of hit points and what attack does what um you should not have to flip back and forth between four or five different monsters have one monster have them act appropriately uh for instance a bear might not be smart enough to to do things that a human brain would do if that makes sense unless it's a sentient bear <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying um but so that was that's a rule that you could do um essentially i let the player who's trying to uh, the, they were they decided the orc decided he was going to kill the sheep, and <laughs> uh, because he was trying to alert them to the evil wizard. So the player that's not in the book uh, or in the one shot, um, they tried to save the sheep, and the guy, the player, the warlock wanted to run, grab the sheep, backflip, 
into the air and then shoot uh, Eldritch Blast. He was a warlock. Uh, as he was backflipping into the tree, shoot a Eldritch Blast, a magic spell at the orc. Um, should he have been able to like climb a tree and grab a sheep and run up there with all these different things, plus shoot a spell? I mean, I think it's pushing it, but I I just said fine. So in your when you're in a quick scenario there, when you have limited time, you should be allowed giving more allowances. That's what I'm trying to say as as a as a session zero in your mind. Um, it was funny because he, oh I know what it was. He wanted to also um, he drank a potion of invisibility, did all this stuff. Probably he shouldn't be able to do all this stuff, and I know he shouldn't be. But so he's invisible. The sheep suddenly gets picked up, and no one else can see other than the sheep just lifting up the air. He backflips. Um, he then, I made him roll an acrobatics check, and he rolled three, and he, that meant he, I made him then roll a dex check to see if he could uh, keep a hold of the sheep. He failed that horribly, rolled under 10 for that. So that's said the sheep drops to the ground, um, taking 1d6 damage because it's 1d6, so one six-sided dice damage for every 10 feet you fall. And the sheep was not dead, but the sheep just gets lifted up in the air. It kind of vanishes for a second as the guy envelops it, and then he drops it, and then it just reappears and falls to the ground. Um, that made for a very funny scenario, even though he shouldn't have been able to do all those things, if you see what I mean. Because I knew he had limited time, and I and I knew he would do something funny, because he's a cool player and really fun. So I hope that makes sense. So what are the things you're going to allow for... Um, you know, what are the different types of rules? Those are the things that you can decide. The other thing you should do as a session zero is to provide character sheets, 100%. So um, you can find those on, you can just type in um, D&D character sheets 5e, and there'll be a website there that will have uh, them available. Blank ones and also pre-made ones. If you think you've got new players and they are completely new to the game, you can print out... Um, uh, you know, kid-friendly ones, uh, really, really uh, easy to go. Um, there's tons of them, okay? Um, you should also have the handbook at the ready, okay? The D&D handbook, which, again, it's going to cost. That's the big cost, but you should have that ready to go. It will be essential. Um, it is really, really fun to make characters with the players, with the students, in my opinion. I love doing it. Um, my advice is when you are a dungeon master, they when you have younger students, they are going to want every stat of their player to be amazing. Really strongly encourage against that because they should take what they get. So they roll four six-sided dice and they choose the top three. The highest, of course, they can get is 18. And then they apply that to whatever whatever they want. It depends on their character if they want. If they roll this 16 or 17 or something like that and they're a barbarian, they should probably be putting that to uh, strength, right? Or constitution. But if they're a wizard, they're going to want intelligence. If they're a cleric, they want wisdom. On and on. Um, I'm saying promote low ability scores. Like, don't discourage them. Because um, they will want the toughest, smartest creatures around. And that is pretty natural. When you're young, you want to be the best. You want to beat everybody. It's a lot more fun characters have low ability scores because because if the good dungeon master um failing in dungeons and dragons can be hilarious and it's often the things that the, the parts in the game where um 
that are most memorable when a character fails. Um, and then I try to really strongly enforce the rule that they have to take the roles that they get. Unless it's really, really bad and they're super depressed <laughs> about their characters. But I really strongly sh encourage you to look at low ability. It's funny when they have low charisma and they try to persuade a guard and they roll a, they have a negative two charisma and they try to persuade someone and they roll an eight and it goes down to six, you know. And you as Dungeon Master that can then play with that, just have a have fun with that. Uh, there's a lot of that that can go on. It's it's really fun. So we had a session with adults that I play with on the weekend where they uh, on this on a Saturday session they found they, they we weren't playing the spell jammer one, but they found a space gun. Okay, because of a space a spell jammer ship that crashed into the to the tundra, right? Um, <laughs> kind of like, you know, whatever, thing or aliens or whatever. Um, and they were able to eventually work out how to use a gun, like a, a ray gun, which is odd for D&D, I know. But they then tried to use an adapted version of this gun, and I said, you have to roll an intelligence check to see if you can figure out how to shoot this thing. And they rolled a negative one because they had negative two intelligence, something like that. So they rolled a, they actually rolled like a negative intelligence score. And I said, well, there has to be, in my head, I'm thinking there has to be a consequence to that. So I just said, you just, you're trying to work this gun out. It's from some another dimension and you don't know what this thing is. So you just mash your fingers against all the buttons and levers on it. Um, because it was a negative one, I said in my head, I'm going to make this gun explode in its face because he's just pushed every button and it's got a self-destruct. And the other players were crowded around him and it wasn't their turn. So this thing explodes. They all had to do um, dexterity saves uh, and jump out of the way. And they failed them. So they all took shrapnel damage. Um, and it was hilarious that they found this thing, eventually pulled it out in this dramatic moment. He was going to shoot these guys, and it blew up in their face. And they, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a memorable moment, I think, and funny. So <laughs> I strongly encourage, uh, I encourage that. <laughs> um, then they're going to discuss backstories. So I love using backstories in Dungeons & Dragons because they will, you can tie them into the campaign. So... Get them to, to write. This is where they can become creative. Again, I've talked about ones with students before, and the one that's coming to mind now with adults is we have these amazing, I play with these amazing authors um, on Sundays, and they are really cool people. Um, Alex Fawkes, Alex Dunn, Grania O'Brien, and uh, I'm thinking of Grania's uh, backstory where she's a tabaxi monk, and before we started playing, I just said, you know, if you have anything about your character that you want to tell me, like, for the backstory, let me know. And the idea was that she's a monk because um, her fiance got murdered, and you know, as a as a reaction to that, she joined the monastery and tried to you know find peace, etc. Um, and I don't think we discussed. I, I should have, but we didn't go into detail like how this happened. Um, but I kind of had an idea like where they, what city they'd come from, etc. So now I've got this idea like I don't know maybe 50 or 60 hours into the 
game, as in like we played for 60 hours total over a series of Sundays, I have her character in, they've invaded this castle. They're trying to find information out from these cultists. Um, and they're trying to infiltrate this cult that's that's kind of like taken over a castle. And they're trying to be sneaky. And, and she's a monk, so she's very sneaky. She's with a rogue, just two of them. And they're hiding in a room because the this larger room gets filled up with these cultists who just come back from doing like chores or something. And they're just um, they're just uh, they're just talking. And I just decided at the spur of the moment that I had this thing in my head that she, I wanted her to find out eventually who killed her fiance. And they're bragging about this stuff and that. And one of the cultists brags about this really because she was a tabaxi. She's a tabaxi, so I, I, I we knew her fiance was a tabaxi. And, the, the details she gave me were like he was very tall and kind of just details. So I I had him relay the story. as She's got her ear to the door that this cultist had taking part in uh, the murder of, <laughs> it's dark stuff, but the murder of her um, fiancé. And I mean, the reaction of the real person, the real Grania was priceless and I've got it recorded, which is great. Um, uh, you know, there was complete shock that I had done that, and um, of course, she had she had to role play the idea of what would her character do, which is to kick the door in and just start attacking it, completely outnumbered, um, completely in a very difficult situation. But it made for a cool story. They survived it, but they instead of being stealthy, they just went on a full on murder spree because of her rage that her character would have, and um. Yeah, so that that works when you when you and you, I've done this with the players too. Really cool stuff that gets kind of sprinkled throughout the story. I try my best to do that, and I think you should try that as a as a dungeon master. Um, it really works. You can intertwine it, and it, you can make like big reveals. So, um, really, that's one thing that I do, and one thing I recommend. And this works for. Um, for me, as a as a, again as a neurodiverse player, dungeon master, if you've got a student who's newish to the game and they are playing a spellcaster, print off their spells and staple them together, or staple them, or paperclip them to the back of their character sheet. There won't be enough room on this on the spell list to show them to do this to write all this stuff out. Go on, just Google the spell, print it out, or screen capture it. You can fit three or four on one page even and have them ready and then put them in order of how like their levels as they go up levels or get um, one year i had a, a druid who had all druids are amazing characters probably the most diverse players you can play in my opinion they're amazing but they're complicated they can be complicated they can do a million different things they can change into animals they can change into different creatures and when they do that they take on their stats so what i did was have a binder for our druid with their different animals that they liked to wild shape into their spells were all you can buy dnd spell cards that describe the spells and i put those in a binder i bought some but they are expensive so i bought those i got them for like christmas presents so i you know again you don't need to do that and as a dungeon master for me if you know that students are going to possibly come across monsters in your session it will save you an absolute ton of time to pre-roll their initiative so pre-roll what they're going to pre-roll their order in the combat print out their stat sheets and have them at the ready don't go flipping through the monster manual because you will get bogged down and you will waste your precious free time print them out ahead of time 
if the characters get a treasure, write that down and put it on a handout and give it to them. Uh, if they get notes, if they get dreams, I love to give my characters dreams, and it's just really cool. And I and when I'm in person, I I, I hand them their dreams um, because they get to read them. And if you have an NPC, a non-player character who is relaying a lot of information, um, uh, write that out later. If it's not urgent to that specific situation, write it out and email it. Start an email group with your team. Keep track of who has what loot because they will forget, and that's just natural. Keep track of how much gold the group, uh, the, as the group has. Keep track of their, like I said, their magical stuff. Um, print out their sheets. Make copies of their character sheets. They might lose them. They may shred them up by accident. I always get destroyed. Uh, you should have copies of them at the ready just so you can refer to them. It will save you a ton of time. I think establishing that, telling them what, what setting they're going to be in without spoiling anything, Getting them excited, that's a good session zero. That could be an hour long. It could be four hours long. Okay? Um, I think that's all I have for my advice on a session zero. <laughs> I hope that's helpful. I don't know if it was. But um, I really hope you do it. Give D&D a try. Buy the starter set uh, and give it a shot. And buy, do like Lost Minds of Fandelver and uh, give it a shot because it will be a lot of fun. All right. That's it for me. Take care. Bye.